0: Um, I'm Greg, I'm one of the guys here on staff and uh, it's my privilege and honour to be able to bring the Word of God this morning and this has been something I've been meditating on, uh, not just this Word today, but this whole series, this whole concept of oneness and what does it mean to be one with Him and the Son and one another. What is that? really mean and um, my title's called I Pray That They Would Be One and it's part two and um, three weeks ago I shared uh, this message um, and we're all sharing on this oneness unity concept this truth and I shared how Jesus has a dream you know so often we want to we say God give me a dream and yet Jesus has a dream and my life is to submit to what he wants not what I want so often it can just be about what I want, and you know give me what what 's in this for me what 's in this for me, and God, you give me a dream but, you know Jesus has a dream, Jesus has a vision, Jesus has things that he wants his people to be moving towards, and what i found found uh, is that my dreams and my purposes are found within him, and so I must let go of everything it be emptied of of every agenda that I have every want, every desire firstly and submit my whole being to Him. And as the church does that, we discover the thing that He has for us as a body firstly and then as individuals. And Jesus has this incredible dream. He was the high priest and so He prays this prayer of being one. I pray, Father, for... These men here today, these men and women, the people that will hear their message, me and you. Two thousand years later, we're still hearing the message. And he says, I pray that everyone that hears the word would be one. Would be one. So I want to give us a little quiz and see who was who's who's been thinking about this, who's been listening, who's been taking notes, who's been chewing. Bible says to chew on the Word, doesn't it? It says to meditate on the living Word. And so part of this is a little bit of interaction. So um, I want to see, uh, I gave four reasons why, four reasons why Jesus prayed for oneness in my message three weeks ago. So just wherever you are, just maybe turn around in little groups of two or three and just who can give me those four reasons? Why did Jesus pray for oneness? See, we're all going to learn today. It's about interaction. It's not about sitting there and just listening. It's about interaction. So, go. Two minutes. Another ten seconds. Mhm. Okay, let's start. Uh, we're going to go one, two, three, four. Who's brave enough here? Well, give me one for a Whitaker's Slimline Cocoa Cream Milk Chocolate Bar. <laughs> As we are being perfected in oneness, the world would believe that Jesus was sent. For them. Beautiful. Well done. Thanks, Natasha and the team. Alright, in the middle. Maybe we want allow God to reign. Yep, so the kingdom of God, those people who have won this, allow the kingdom of God to reign in them. Well done, Shirley. This side. So we've got Uh, One, so a world would believe that Jesus was sent. Two, that the kingdom of God would move through the church. Those of oneness allow that process to happen. There's two other things. Oh, you gave us two. (laughs) So you answered for these guys up here. So who wants a bar? I'll just throw it up there. Ready? Here we go. There you go. Share it up amongst you. Have communion up on the top. <laughs> so those four reasons that I gave. Number one is that when the church is perfected into unity. One, a world would believe. Isn't that phenomenal? That there, there can be such a oneness in God's people that out of that oneness, because it's Christ in the church, a world looks and sees us, not a building, but the people, and believe. Bible says in Acts that the Lord was adding to this community's number daily and there were other people who were in awe. It's almost like they were like, man, look at this thing. Look at the love. Look at the generosity. Look at the grace. It wasn't so much about the external behavior. that The external was an outworking of a heart posture. Second thing was that those of oneness are allowing the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, as Jesus said, is within you. Firstly, it's within you. So we're allowing the Lordship of Christ in us, in our hearts, in our mind, being transformed through the renewing through the Spirit and allowing that process to happen, which is Lordship, submission to Him. Thirdly, as that's happening, we are being prepared unto the marriage of the bride, being made perfect, blameless, holy, and thirdly, to reign with Christ in the millennial reign. And so... Those are my four personal convictions, and uh let's come with me to, to John 17, 23, because this morning I want to talk about, that's the why, I want to talk about the what. What is this thing called oneness that he prays for unity? John 17, 23. Give me a yell when we're sort of there, ready to go. Yep, okay, alright, there we go. Okay, John 17, 22, 23. The glory. Everyone say glory. glory. This is phenomenal right here. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them. The glory, Father, which you have given to me, I have given to them. Man, that they may be one just as we are One. I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity. Everyone say, I want to be perfected in unity. Do you mean it? Simon said yes, no, not sure. (laughs) If we're going to say this, if we're going to move towards this, it's going to be a phenomenal work that God's going to do in us and through us. It'll cost you time. It'll cost you things. But what we receive back, and we don't do it to receive back, but it's that whole thing. If you lose a life, you will find a life. If the seed dies, falls to the ground and dies, it births life. And this is my greatest challenge is to let go of me. I don't mean anyone else to let go of me and to grab hold of him. To 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 not allow my humanity to define who I'm becoming. So often we we use the excuse, this is my personality. Well, I'm just a human. Yes, but you have Christ God in you. And he says, I've given the glory you gave me, I have given to them, so this work is possible. Not only have I given you a glory, Father, that I've given them myself. And I am in the church. We are the temple of the Spirit. And God lives within us if we are in Him. What a phenomenal thing. So he empowers us that we may be perfected in unity, perfected in oneness with the Father, the Son, and one another. The greatest challenge, the greatest opportunity for you and I, isn't it? This, this is really where I think the uh, it all hits the road. What's that saying? The rubber hits the road right here. It's quite easy to reach the lost. It's quite easy to sing. It's quite easy to prophesy. It's quite easy to do ministry. It's quite easy to do it. But it ain't that easy to be one with him, the Son, and one another. I actually think the one another is the toughest part in that equation. Because as we heard last week, we love this personal relationship thing with me and God. It's about me and you, Lord, and I don't need any one of these guys in that. It's just me and you. You came for me. You came to redeem me. Yes, but. Yes, but. God always starts firstly with the body and mind. He always sees through the lens of a body, never an individual. And individuals make up the body. And so this challenge but this opportunity to be people of extreme oneness where a world would see Christ in us, the hope and glory. Not seeing us like they see themselves. That's the challenge, isn't it? That we are to model something of Christ-likeness. And he has given us his glory, he's given us his son, he's given us his Holy Spirit, he's given us his living scriptures and says right now I'm looking for the appropriation of it on the earth. I'm looking for one body, a bride, sons, a nation. I'm looking for this oneness, he's been looking for it for 6,000 years and will continue to look for it until he returns. See, this isn't just a a wishful prayer. its He could have prayed any prayer, but he prays for oneness. And it's a oneness in spirit. And this is my point today. I'm going to say a number of different things, but if there's one thing, if you're taking notes on an iPhone or an iPad or book and pen, write this down. This is what I'm really saying today. And if I don't say it every five minutes, say, Greg, you haven't said oneness in spirit. Okay? My whole message today is, what is this oneness? It's a oneness in spirit. It's a oneness in spirit. True worshippers worship in spirit and truth. Those two things are actually one. You take the Spirit, you take my living word, which is of the Spirit, you mess them together, you have one. You have one plus one plus one equals one. You have a husband and a wife and they are two becoming one. You have faith and deeds and you have one. You have grace and truth and you have one. Everything about this book is one. It's beautiful. I'm looking for a nation. I'm looking for a set-apart people. And they will be one with the Father and the Son and with one another. You see, here's the thing. Christ, and this is the challenge and this is the opportunity, isn't it? That Christ is to complete us to such a measure so he fills me to such a measure that I actually don't need anyone else for relationship from a sense of I need you to complete me, I need you to fill me, I need you for this relational fleshly connection. What I need you and you need me for, first and foremost, is spiritual growth, transformation. Transformation. It's not about the flesh. Christ is to complete me to a measure that actually I'm with my wife, not for a, a, a union of the physical. It's of the spirit. It's to bring us into a spiritual oneness. And so the more complete I am in Christ, the less needy I am and the more I can just give and serve and the whole thing forms itself into oneness because I don't come looking to suck the life out of anyone else. See, when I'm not complete in Christ, I actually come to drain, I will drain Kirk. I need something of Kirk to feel complete, to feel one. So what happens is, in our connection, I suck the life out of him, I walk away feeling awesome, he's like... (laughs) and feels completely drained by me. That never lasts on me, by the way, because the next day I'm looking to suck the life out of someone else. Instead of it being like this, Christ fills me, Christ fills Kirk, and the interaction and the growth and the discipleship and the iron sharpening iron is phenomenal. Why? Because we're one in spirit. We have a oneness. Now, we have a oneness because we are all in Christ, don't we? That's step one. Step one is that we have a oneness, if you want us to a blanket oneness, because every person that puts their name, their trust, their life in the hands of Christ is one in spirit. Yes, awesome. that's the start. He wants us oneness in thinking. Do we all think the same in this room today? We do not. Husbands, do you think the same as your wives? Wives, do you think the same as your husbands? (laughs) Not even in the physical, we think. What about the spiritual? What about and how we see? How we view things? How we view ourselves? How we view one another? How we view what's happening in this nation with the gay right, the bill, marriage bill? How are we seeing that? Do we see it through the eyes of self-righteousness? Oh, those people down there. Or do we see it through the eyes of love? Because Rome just lives as Rome lives. It always has. It always will. The body of Christ are to be the example to Rome and live a life because we see, hear, think like the one we worship and there wouldn't be a bill. Your marriages are so phenomenal. What's coming out of you? Well, his name is Jesus Christ. His wisdom isn't the wisdom of the world. Never has been, never will. He said to Pilate, I'm from another place. I'm of a completely different reality. See, there is a oneness in spirit where as we grow in him, as we are sharpened in him, we come into the way he thinks. See, we say his ways aren't our ways, but his ways can become your ways but it's in the spirit. It's not of the flesh. The man of the flesh has no concept of the things of the spirit. When I say man, man, woman. So God wants us to think like he wants to see like he sees. He wants us to have a divine perspective. He wants to for us to look down or look through and see how he sees and hear what he hears. When Jesus came to Jerusalem, the Bible says he had compassion. He was almost torn with compassion because he saw all these people without a shepherd. His heart broke. His heart broke when he arrived and like looking around and seeing what man had done and temples and all sorts of things. People are in the temple selling and bartering and trying to make money and you know, you've got the TAB there. You've got all sorts of things happening and in the so-called people of God. And his heart breaks. See, there is such a oneness in spirit. In the way he thinks, sees, hears, and acts. That, fourth one, man, to act like him. So not only to think like him, not only to see like him, Here, I put in to speak like Him, but to act like Him. It's a complete work of the Spirit within us, and it brings us internally into a posture of unity, oneness, maturity, and then it manifests out of us. You can't get it the other way around. We try to all the time. We try to go round the process. We're so outcome driven. And what we, I, I, I want it tomorrow. God says that's great, but you've got to go on a journey with me. See, listen to what these words, uh, unity, literally means one. This is the same word that is used to describe God as one God in Mark where Jesus is talking to the scribe and he says what is the greatest uh, commandment and Jesus says you know one God he says you're right when you say one God there is only one God that's that same word to describe God as one the word perfected literally means this it's on the PowerPoint Uh, to carry through completely to accomplish finish bring to an end You see, a people of oneness in spirit are a people to be reckoned with. They really are. We really are. When we come into more and more and more of this oneness in spirit, which is through spirit and truth, we will become more and more a people to be reckoned with. Now, I don't mean that in, we'll be a people to be reckoned with. I mean the love. The grace, the mercy, the compassion, the generosity coming through God's people, firstly as a body, then as individuals will be phenomenal. I sent out an email a couple of weeks back and I talked about the Tower of Babel and God's been speaking to me about the Tower of Babel, but just to spin it from a positive point of view because so often, you know, and it is, it's man in the flesh doing his own thing, but look what man can achieve when everyone's got one mind, one language. And God had to come down and distribute them above the earth because they were building this thing that was so phenomenal. In the flesh. In the flesh. So you can build phenomenal things in the flesh. You can build phenomenal communities in the flesh. In fact, people love it. People love building in the flesh because it feeds the flesh. I'm looking for this thing that's going to feed my flesh, but in the spirit, it's another thing. They both can look the same, but internally they're very different. And that's where the hoodwink is. Because we don't have the eyes to see what's really going on internally. We just look at the outside and go, wow, look at all the oneness. Not necessarily. You know, we did a cool thing here two weeks ago where we played a game. And the service was a game and it was all in relation to what's happening here. But do you know what? There may have been no oneness There. The oneness that I'm talking about. So physically and externally they look like there was oneness because we're all getting involved and we're all having a good time and we're all laughing and, you know, we're doing all the thing and there's a bit of, you know, to and fro and teamwork happening and that's awesome. But there may never have actually been any spirit oneness in that. Now there may have been. Could have been completely all of the spirit. I don't know. But just because something looks like it's one externally doesn't necessarily mean it is. You see, there's a oneness in spirit of thinking, of seeing, of hearing and acting that God wants not only in us but to manifest through us. That the manifold wisdom of God would be expressed on the earth through who? His son? No, through the church, through a building. A building can't manifest God, can it? The manifold wisdom of the Father, which is still one. But manifold means many, Greg, yep, but it's one. The different elements, aspects of all the gifts in this room, but it's one. But you don't understand my gifts for my ministry. No, it's not. It's to build the body of Christ, one. My purpose is found in the building and the serving of the body of Christ, not in my own ministry. Don't even know what that is. Oneness in spirit. There is no place for the flesh in spirit-led oneness. Listen to these words that I mentioned before, John 6, 62, I think it's 62 to 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some of you who are the disciples he was talking to, not the 12 other disciples, who do not believe. I'm going to unpack because God woke me up yesterday. and It's really cool. I don't know if anyone, you probably do, you get this. and You know, and yeah, I'm liking this. I'm not awake, but I'm not asleep. And you're lying in this sort of weird state. Suddenly just starts downloading stuff. And it's almost like your spirit, it's your spirit within you, I think, starts talking to you. Does that sound weird? And you know when you've got to get up and write it down? But because you're half asleep, you're sort of like, oh, this is quite a nice place. (laughs) Get up and write it down because I sort of forgot what it was and I thought, i I remember it. God wants to speak to us all the time. He even says when you are fully sleeping, he speaks to your spirit to bring us into this posture, this position that's found in Him. Abide in me. What does it even mean? To come into Him in the Spirit. Oneness in the flesh births conformity and conformity through compromise. But oneness in Spirit births unity and Christ's life in us That is why there is no offence in the Spirit. See, when you're in the Spirit, when you're in this oneness, there's no offence. Do you know why? Because when the flesh comes at you, you're not looking at the flesh, you just see the Spirit, you see the Christ on someone. Let's just let that just bypass. And let's be in the Spirit. See, we're in the flesh, in our flesh suit. There's heaps of offence. They said I was this. They didn't invite me to that. I wasn't in this. Oh, I didn't get invited to this. Oh, you didn't see what they did to all the, all the stuff. We have to overcome all of that because we're a people of the spirit. We've got to be bigger than the world. We've got to be bigger than my seven year old and my four year old. We have to be bigger than that. Because we are created for so much more than that. To come into a reality of the spirit which manifests itself in the physical. I'm not talking about spirit like woo and you float around stuff. I'm talking about really in the spirit. See everything spiritual. When you're really in the spirit, it manifests itself in the physical. Christ was fully of the spirit, but he manifested himself in the physical. And you can see it, taste it, smell it, touch it. It's living, it's real, and it changes things. But we have to be a people of the Spirit. Because when we're in the Spirit, we can overcome anything. The oneness in that position. But you know what we do? We agree to disagree, and we call that unity. It's conformity. What we need is humble hearts to be able to walk together to find this posture in Him. But let's not confuse that with oneness that He's talking about. That is a stepping tone towards oneness in the Spirit, but it is not oneness. Not true biblical Spirit-led oneness. You see, Spirit-led oneness is when you have with a brother or sister that connection is so strong. You will literally lay your life down for this person or this people when you have a oneness in Him, the Father, and that manifests itself through the church. See, if we don't have oneness with Him, we'll never have oneness with one another. It's found in Him. Abide in me. Apart from me, you guys can do nothing. Well, no, that's not actually true. I can do a whole lot of things. Yeah, it's just not of me. It looks good. It looks like it's all that. Doesn't mean it's of me. That's a challenge, isn't it? Because for us to be one in spirit, there it is again, what is this? Oneness in spirit. We must all go through the same process. Ooh! You can't get around it. We've got to all go through it. It may look different, but you could have 10 people lined up and their process was different. The context was different. But you know what? They all end up at the same point and there's a oneness now in spirit. That's why you can walk into a room. You can have more oneness with someone you don't know in Africa on an email than I can right here in my own community. Why is that? Because the intimacy of the person in Africa with God and the intimacy with me is greater than the intimacy I can have with Kyle. Hence, seek me. Seek me, you'll find me and come into this oneness in me. Nothing to do with the flesh, it's of the spirit. You start speaking and there's a language, it's like heavenly language, it's English. But it's like, whoa! There's a connection in the spirit, you can't describe it, it's even hard to try and teach it, but you can feel it. It's phenomenal what God's trying to birth in us and through us. It's not the logic of the natural, it's in the spirit. And it requires a pursuit of him. Man, the time is flying. Um, I'll give you one story. Um, Come to me with one Samuel. And here's a great man of God by the name of David. And as I read all this, it's a fairly decent passage just listen, even if you need to close your ears. And I don't know how you read and close your ears, but you can if you're in the Spirit. <laughs> yeah, that's right, in the Spirit, that's right. So just ask the Father to open your ears. Thanks, baby. The Spirit, speak to me. So I'm just going to read one verse, and this is 1 Samuel 23:15, and then we're going to go to 24. So 1 Samuel 23:15, Saul pursues David. Now David became aware that Saul had come out to seek his life while David was in the wilderness of Zip at Horesh. Okay, so come across to now, 1 Samuel 24. So Saul is pursuing David to kill him. He's envious, he's jealous. This young boy is taking his crown and his eyes. And so I've got to take this boy down. It's quite scary, isn't it, when they're both of the same nation. David spears Saul's life. You're going to see a man that was one with God in here and in here and through his action. Okay? I'll read it fairly quickly. Father, help us hear what you want to say. Now when Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the rocks of the wild goats. 3,000 men. The odds were slightly stacked against David, eh? He came to the sheepfolds on the way where there was a cave and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the inner recesses of the cave. The men of David said to him, behold, see this, the men of David said to him, behold, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I'm about to give your enemy into your hand and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. Then David arose and cut off the edge of Saul's robe secretly. It came about afterward that David's conscience bothered him because he had cut off the edge of Saul's robe. This man is trying to kill him. His men say, Look at this. You can take him out right now. Saul, uh, David, doesn't do that, but he does something, and he cuts the edge of his rope, and then he gets guilty, feeling guilty. His conscience starts to speak to him. Verse six. So he said to his men now, remember what the men wanted to see happen? "Far be it from me, because of the Lord, that I should do this thing to my Lord, speaking of Saul." the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. David persuaded his men with these words and did not allow them to rise up against Saul. You see, people of oneness influence others to be people of oneness. And Saul arose, left the cave, and went on his way. He has no concept. He's just there relieving himself. Woohoo, hurry up. (laughs) Maybe a bit of stage fright. I don't know. Now afterward, David arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, saying, my lord, the king, even the way the guy addresses him. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the ground and prostrated himself. David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men, saying, behold, David seeks to harm you. Behold this day your eyes have seen that the Lord had given you today into my hand in the cave. And some said to kill you. But my eye had pity on you. And I said I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord for he is the Lord's anointed. Now my father see. Indeed see the edge of your robe in my hand. For in that I cut off the edge of your robe and did not kill you Know and perceive that there is no evil or rebellion in my hands, and I have not sinned against you, though you are lying in wait for my life to take it. May the Lord judge between you and me. (laughs) May the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancients says, out of the wicked comes forth wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom are you pursuing? A dead dog? A single flea? The Lord therefore be judge and decide between you and me. And may he see and plead my case and deliver me from your hand. When David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? Then Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have dealt well with me, while I have dealt wickedly with you. You see, this is the power of oneness, love with the Father. When we model this, there's no defense mechanism for it. Trust me, there's none. This oneness in spirit this perfected into unity in the spirit, when it manifests itself because it's a heart posture and it comes out, people cannot, it's like, see, he knows, Saul knows, doesn't he? I'm in there. I'm after this young boy. I'm trying to kill him. I was completely helpless. He nicks a bit of my coat. He doesn't touch me. He could have at the risk of his own life. And we go on, we read this. It's a moment that Saul is in this posture, and then he changes. At the risk of David's own life, he says, I'm not touching, I'm going to model something of the Spirit. You've got to be in the Spirit to model this stuff. You've got to know Him to model this stuff. You've got to be in Him, abide in Him that He comes out. It's Christ in David coming out. And look at Saul's response. You have declared today that you have done good to me, that the Lord delivered me into your hand, and you you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safely? May the Lord therefore reward you with good in return for what you have done to me this day. Now behold, I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hand. For us to be one in spirit with the Father, Son and one another we must all be going through the same process of dying to our humanity and not allowing our humanity to rule our lives but allowing the Spirit of God to increase in us by choosing His ways over our own. We know this statement, John the Baptist he must increase and I My humanity must decrease. But I'm just this. I'm just that. Rubbish. Change your language. A son of the Most High is who we are. Oh, but I've had this since I was growing up. Okay, that sucks. But you know what? God called you for more than that. God called you to overcome that with His Spirit, with His living Word with His presence, with one another, love one another, covers. And it manifests itself in amazing ways that people are completely astounded by and blown away by. But the process, the process for which the church must go through for that to be a reality is not easy. It's not just dial it up one minute and it turns up the next day. But it's fully possible. I pray that they would be perfected into oneness, unity in me, in the Son, with one another. The greater the reality of Christ in us, the greater the oneness and spirit we will have with him, his Son, and one another. Put another way, to the measure or depth of oneness we have with him, will be to the measure or depth we have oneness with one another. I just want to give you a little example and I'm going to wrap this. Um, the Bible talks about that if we're going to be true worshippers we must worship in spirit and truth. It's not one, it's not the other because both can be extreme positions, can't they? You see plenty of wackiness in the spirit and you see plenty of deadness when it's just about a dead word. But when you bring those two together, which is once again the two becoming one, that's where life is. My word is spirit, it has life. And I've just got a twenty cent coin. And if you want to look at it like this, and if you're listening on the CD because you can't see it, but so it's a twenty old twenty cent coin. And it's a two sided coin. And so let's just say the heads is spirit and the tails is what? Truth. When you take those two things together, can you see where the spirit and the truth? Narrow. But look what happens. I'm going to try and I'll push the 20 cent piece along this stage and see how far it gets. When we're just in spirit, not bad. So I'll flip it over when we're just in truth on its own. Not bad. But look what happens when you're in spirit and truth. That would have gone probably hit the wall. Yeah, you ruined my experiment. <laughs> if we're going to come into this oneness in spirit... We must be people of spirit and truth. It's a narrow path. I turn that coin. That's how narrow it is. That's how fine it is to come into this posture, to let go and to enter into it in the spirit and then to have it manifest itself in the flesh. It has to manifest itself out. It's not like we are the most generous People, and there's no generosity. That's called hypocrisy. It's called Pharisee position. I know all this stuff, but there's no literal reality of it. There's no living reality. And so what is this oneness? It's in the Spirit. And it's discovered in Him, Spirit and truth, Together. And John 4, 23, 24 just right says that. An hour is coming and now is. See, an hour is coming. It's now arrived. When the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshippers. God is spirit. And those who worship him must Must, not might, must worship in spirit and truth. When we worship in spirit and truth, it performs a spiritual work in us that manifests out of us. 1 Thessalonians 2, 9. It's now. It's now. God's looking for it now. Not tomorrow. Now, a time is coming and now is now. The kingdom now. He is returning. He's looking for the appropriation of this oneness right now. No more excuses. No more praying for stuff that's already here. You've got to, we've got to come in together into the spirit. See in the spirit. And then allow that to outwork itself. Through the vessel. Amen. So let's pray. And um, let's see where we go. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that you're building us in the Spirit. I thank you, Father, that you're taking us as your children. You've sealed us with your Spirit. We are one in you, Lord, because we have the same Spirit of your son. Lord, we enter into this process called sanctification of becoming one more and more. I pray, Lord, that we would seek you. We'd have a desire. If we haven't, I pray we would pray for one and seek one. We would go digging for the gold and find gold, Lord, in you. You are the gold. And so today, Father, just I pray that we would have heard what you wanted to say to us. You want to say so many things to us, Lord, as a body and as individuals connected into a body. And so, Lord, I thank you that you've spoken. And I just pray that as one waters and another plants, the Spirit of God grows us grows the seed, the kingdom seed. Thank you that you've given us your son, your living word, and the integration, the fusion of that together is life. And life that changes us internally, that manifests itself externally to see the living reality of your kingdom in our lives on the earth. And as your son prayed, Lord, I too pray that the church would be one. No longer 30,000, 40,000 expressions. No longer our own Christian traditions that are robbing us of oneness. But we would come into this beautiful oneness in spirit with you, with the son and with one another. Father, give us humble hearts to receive Give us childlike faith to move into. Lord, show us what it means to posture ourselves to receive from you and other people. And I pray, Lord, that God on others that may not be on us today would encourage us and inspire us It wouldn't repel us A way it would encourage us to run to. Give us eyes to see the glass half full, not half empty. Don't let our insecurities and our fear of where we're not rob us of where you're trying to lead us to. And I pray for love to be on all of us and this posture in the spirit where there is no offence that we can overcome and be these people of oneness. I ask this by faith in the name of Jesus. Amen.